And we want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, on Facebook. We're glad to be coming into where you are, your home, or wherever you might be watching or listening at another time. And uh, today we're going to talk about it. I guess if we need a title, we're going to call it The Spirit of Faith. Y'all say that with me. The Spirit, spirit. of Faith. How many know there's a spirit of faith? You don't just have, there's faith, and then there's a the spirit of faith. You can gain knowledge and learn about the subject of faith, but if you want to, if you want to, if you want to grow in that, then you're going to have to understand that there's a spirit of faith that drives it. Amen. Now some say, well, you know, these word folks, they just made this up. Well, we did make it up after we found the scriptures. So, <laughs> 2 Corinthians, if you will, chapter 4. And we'll take a look at it real quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I couldn't hardly wait to get here this morning. Praise God. Now, I want to talk to you about something that you have. Now, how many know it's possible for someone to be possessed with a demonic spirit? Is, is that true? Did Jesus ever cast one out? Have you ever cast one out? Some of you have. It can be quite the adventure. <laughs> and you have to remember, you're not dealing with that individual. You're dealing with a spirit in there. Because they can talk ugly to you, mean to you. They can manifest in all kinds of ways. And there's no, you don't need to be afraid of any demon because they're, they're under your feet. You just got to remember, I'm not dealing with that person, I'm not dealing with their, their name or that person. You're dealing with the spirit in them. But the point is, if someone can be possessed with a demonic spirit, how many know how much more we're possessed with holy? If someone can have an unholy spirit, how many know we ought to be possessed? Now, you never heard a sermon like that. I believe that, you're, uh, I believe that you become possessed. <laughs> possessed with Holy Spirit until he has control. And if you're possessed with Holy Spirit, he wants to infuse you with the spirit of faith. And to get into the spirit of faith, we're talking about an attitude. Hmm? So Paul said uh, by the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Page 1894, do the best you can. Uh, verse 12, he said, death worketh in us, but life in you. Verse 13, he says, but we having, having, see, having, not praying for, not hope to have, not when we get to heaven. We having the same spirit of faith. Now, if we're reading this in the epistles, we're not in Leviticus, we're not in the old covenant, we're in the new covenant. So he's telling the church at Corinth, which means he's telling the church here in Alabama. He's telling the church where we are and where you are. He's telling every Christian that we have the spirit of faith. I want you to get that. Say, I have. I possess the spirit of faith. And can I say it this way? The, the, uh, it's the, when I say the spirit of faith, we're still talking about Holy Spirit, which is love. But love can be a little cocky. <laughs> and you get around someone's spirit of faith, you, you can misunderstand them. So they're just, you know, they're just, you know, they're just brassy or they're just kind of, you know, snobs, you know, just kind of snob. No, they're not. No, they're just kind of, they're kind of, yeah, they are kind of cocky. Amen. Amen. Hmm? 
It's not that they're thinking of themselves more highly than they ought to. It's not that they have a problem with pride. They just know who they are. And so when they know who they are, they don't take stuff off devils. They don't like, could y'all pray for me? Well, that's okay to start off with, you know, in your kindergarten. But when you've been in the Word for 37 years, you ought to get out of kindergarten. <laughs> you don't need a prayer team, you know, when you've been... Amen. You said I've been walking with the Lord. I don't think you walk very much. I think someone put you in a little red wagon and dragged you everywhere. <laughs> E.W. Ken used to call it in his book. He used to call people. Uh, he called him. He called it. One chapter it was called the unbelieving believer. He says, and once they are, he says, they're, they're Christians, but they're babies. And they've, and they've never wanted to grow up. They want everybody to get everything for them. Y'all pray in my, my, my rent. Y'all pray in my health. Y'all pray in everything. Y'all pray in my peace. Y'all pray, you know, get the devil off of me. He said, what they are is they're spiritual hitchhikers. They always need to get somewhere. And they say, I need to get you. Can you take me over to my healing? Can you take me over to some peace? Well, that's okay when they're babies. We, we, that's what we do, right? But, you know, when you've been, quote, walking with the Lord, you know, for this long, <clears throat> Hebrews said, by the now you ought to be a teacher. Amen. You ought to be able to help someone else. And, he, and Paul said, when I come here, he says, we should be covering different ground, but I, I got to go back and I just got to act like you're an infant. You know, and I got to get my little Gerber jars out and not choke you. You know, when I put a little spin in it, <coughs> can't take any more than that. And uh, so I'm talking to the amen corner here. Amen. I'm sorry about you other pastors have to deal with all them babies all the time, voting you in or voting you out all the time. Praise the Lord. So, uh, well, I'm sorry. I said, well, I ain't really sorry about that. Anyway, just go ahead. Here we go. We have in the same spirit of faith, he said, according as it is what? Now, if something written in the Bible, is it, uh, that's, that's kind of like law. Remember when Jesus told the devil in Matthew chapter 4? And he dealt with the devil after being in there 40 days and 40 nights without food. Without food. I mean, dominoes wouldn't deliver to him. Pizza Hut wasn't, you know, wasn't around the next corner. There, there, was, no, there was no food. And, said, you know, and Jesus had a physical body. And said he was hungry. And that's when the enemy comes, he brings temptation and tries to find you at your weak spots. Or when you are physically or mentally or whatever, what's going on. He tries to find, he never fights you fair. So when we fight him, we don't fight fair either. You know, I, I never did as a kid. When someone picked on me, I mean, I didn't ask for the fight. I don't know why I was always over a girl, always over a girl. But anyway, <laughs> I kind of noticed him in the third grade and took a liking to him. You know, in the second grade, I was like, ugh, ugh. Girls, like, ugh. And I don't know, it's in the third grade, I said, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I like you. Do you like me? Pass a note. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I hope it comes back. And then, then we, we go together. Did you ever go with someone in third, fourth, fifth grade? Where'd y'all go? <laughs> we didn't go nowhere, did we? <laughs> then that lasted for about three or four or five days. We lost interest and we found someone else to go with. Yeah, well, amen. But Jesus encountered the devil, or let's just say like this, the devil encountered the word. See, we're talk, we talk about the temptation of Jesus, but no one ever flips the story. I never even thought about this. I'm just saying it as it come to me. I've never thought about it this way, but really this was the encounter that, that Satan had with the Word. He thought, I'll come tempt him, and he had no idea that, you know, he said, I, 
the devil is quoting the word. Remember, he would take the scriptures, but he would pervert them. You know, he said, I know you're hungry. He says, all you have to do is just talk these stones, turn them into bread. So without going there, you, and I know you're familiar with that chapter. So here Satan is taking the word and twisting it and, and trying to tempt Jesus, who is the word. He's taking the word to the word and trying to twist it. Now, can you see how he got kicked out of heaven? I mean, you got you got to be pretty dumb to take the word and, and cause the word to sin. You got to have a, a double doctrine divinity of ignorance to do that. So here he says. That's why I want you to get this. You have the same spirit of faith, and, and, and this makes it strong according to that is written. So this thing's written. So it's just as powerful what Jesus said, because he, he says, here, you have it. He says, and I'm telling you, you have it because it's written. Now, Paul, this is not the first time it's mentioned. Paul is quoting the Old, the Old Testament. He's actually quoting the book of, I think it's uh, the book of Psalms. And I got it here somewhere, but uh, we'll come across it. But I think it's like Psalms 116 or Psalm 16, whatever it is. But he's actually quoting it, and he says, he says, we have the same spirit of faith. The same spirit. The identical spirit. Identical spirit. So he goes on there to say, he says, we believe, therefore we speak. So we've been taught a lot about speaking the word and the importance of the word. I'm, in, I'm with people who are well versed and trained in these things. So, so you, you know the power of the spoken word. Amen. You know the power of the words that come out of your mouth. You say, well, I'll be okay because I go to a church where, he, where the pastor believes in speaking faith. So I'm, I'm okay. No, you're not okay because I believe it. And I exercise it. It works for you. I can't make something work for you. So this is speaking for, for uh, a Christian and a non-Christian works and operates by the power of the spoken word. You know that by creation. That's, that's, why he, that's how he demonstrated you in the very beginning. When God wanted something, he spoke it into existence. We know the, the earth as it was was in chaos from most theologians, and I believe too from the pre-Adamic uh, people that were here before this. And it, the earth was in total chaos. And so God didn't come down and say, man, this place is a mess. It's, it, it really has a lot of destruction. Well, it did, it did have destruction. It was in absolute chaos. There was, there, there was not even any light again on the earth. So the first thing God said, you know, if you're, if you've got to clean up a mess and you've got to get the shovels and the backhoes and everything in there cleaned up, you get, first thing you've got to do is have some light to work with. So God says, first thing he says, the, the King James says, let there be light. That's, that's an improper translation. God ain't never said let anything. God didn't ask, can there be light? If he does, who's he asking? So God spoke. He, so the actual, uh, the actual Hebrew says, Light be, not, not let there be light. Light be. Amen. 
You could take that anywhere you want to. Sometimes we think we need to pray long prayers over ourselves and over people. And it, it does bother people when they have a, what they call a serious problem. They get many situations. They want you to pray a very long prayer. And I've done it. I've done it for them, but I, done, I actually did it for them. You know, preachers are the worst at it. You know, it's not, it's not the starting part of preaching. It's, you know, it's how do I ever stop? Y'all like, you know, let my people go. But, well, so some preachers have found out how to do this. They, 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 they close the Bible and then they pray over the, over the people before they go and they pray a 15-minute prayer and they're giving you the last four points in their prayer. And sometimes that, that happens when we pray for people is we start quoting a bunch of scripture. See, G Jesus never did that. Did he? You can't find one scripture in, in, in the uh, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where ever Jesus ever prayed for anybody who's sick. Can't find one. You say, was well, it wrong? No, it's, it's not wrong. I'm just talking about there's a higher level to go to. You say, well, it's in the book of James. It is in the book of James. And I'll tell you why it's in the book of James. James was a new pastor and he had baby Christians. And that's why there's nothing wrong with the anointing of oil, but does, does oil heal you? Because if it did, you could just do that at the house. You could say, honey, just pour a whole quart over my head, a whole pint. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm big sick. I'm going to need a large container. Well, you know there's no healing properties in this, but we just know oil is sim symbolic what, of the Holy Spirit. But there, there's no healing properties in that oil at all, is there? But James would do that because when you had baby Christians who had just come into, in, in, uh, into the new birth, their mind hadn't been renewed, so James would take oil and he would touch them because they're used for someone touching them. Maybe how you feel. Well, it, it hurts right here. It hurts right there. It hurts right. It hurts there. Oh, let me touch this. So James would touch them. Nothing wrong with that. I, I would still do it. If you want praying with them, I'd get me some don't have it. I bet there's some in that kitchen somewhere. It may be 15 years old, but we'll get, we'll get some. Or I'll get Bill around out there and you know, get the dipstick off his truck and he'll wipe it off. And we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll get you some oil. But I promise you that oil is not going to heal you at all. But to a baby Christian, it makes, makes you feel like you've done more. We had a bunch of people praying. They put oil on the forehead. You know, they all gathered around me. Well, that's good. That's love. That's, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? But I want you to understand it doesn't take all that. So it really, it really bothers people when, when they have something which is serious to them. And maybe it is serious. Maybe it's terminal. And you just say, in Jesus' name, be healed. I mean, Kerry Blake talks about that where, where people drive all the way to Plano, Texas to see him from halfway around the world. You know, and he, he really said, my staff can do what I do. But they're like, no, nah, I didn't come here to see your staff. That's like, you know, Elijah and Elisha and that woman whose son was dead and he was going to send his servant. You know, she says, uh, I, I'm not leaving you. In other words, I, I'm going to be here with you every day until you go. He said, let's go. <laughs> so, courtesy, when they get here, he says, sometimes, you know, they've, they've driven eight, ten miles from the other state. And, it's, you know, it's, it's terrible. It's terminal. And he just said, in Jesus' name, you know, he'll, he says, you're, be healed, you're healed. And, and they said, 
That's it? That's it? Don't you understand? I'm, I have four, I'm in stage four so-and-so. He says, yeah, you, you told me that before I prayed. Well, you didn't mention anything about whatever. He said, yes, I did. He said, I, I said, I prayed in the authority of the name of Jesus. I told you to be healed. And I believe that you are. So it's not, the, it's not what you say so much. It's not the length of your prayer. It's what you know and who you know who you are. And someone has to believe. May not be the person that you're praying for. It helps if they believe, but it's not necessary. Now, someone would disagree with me about that. At one time, I would have disagreed with me about that. But most of the miracles that I've seen, that I've been involved with, that was, no, well, I'll be honest with you, most of the miracles that I've seen that was, you know, miraculous in a sense of creative, you know, whether it was the, you know, I'm not going through the knee story, but knees recreated, totally re recreated, two x-rays, one's, Got pins, one's got screws, it's got plates and all that kind of stuff. Next x-ray, it's all gone, two new knees. Someone who has no eardrum, never had an eardrum, and God creates one. See, uh, th those are the gifts of the Spirit. They really are. When you have a creative miracle, when God puts something into your body that's either destroyed or was never there and he creates it, that's not a healing. You can't heal an eardrum that's not there. So I was just operating in faith, in the God-given faith. But I didn't stop to decipher or determine whether I was in faith or whether it was the spirit or whether it was the gift of faith. You know, the, the nine gifts of the spirit. You don't, you, you don't have to stop and say, okay, now do I need to shift gears here? No. If, if you get to the end of this kind of faith, the Holy Spirit will be there and he'll, he'll put you into the God kind of faith. Now, if, if you've never seen that or operated, you, it's available to you. Huh? I know that the scripture says it says the Spirit wills, but he, he wills a whole lot. But see, you have to be open to it. How many it, never that you know have operated in the Spirit of faith that you'd like to? Nobody? How many have never operated spirit of faith that you know, but you'd like to operate in the spirit of faith? You don't want to operate in spirit of faith? You, you, you don't want the spirit, you don't want the gift of faith? I meant the gift of faith. How many would you like to operate in the gift of faith, God's faith? I'm sorry, I must have asked the question wrong. That's like, my Lord, let's just go to a salvation message real quick and forget this one. <laughs> Come to Jesus and believe just as I am. But anyway. <laughs> Without one plea. <laughs> I know you wish I could sing. Yes, you and me. But anyway. I mean, it's amazing. Because when, when the gift of faith comes on, I'm not talking about this faith. I'm talking about when the gift, the supernatural gift of faith in the, in the book of Corinthians comes on you, you'll, you'll, you'll know it. You'll know it. How many of you ever that's ever happened to you? You'll know it. Now, I don't know what your experience was like, but I know what my experience was like. My experience was like someone, I, I felt it come on me, and I know you've heard me give this illustration, but there's other people watching. It may not happen to you this way, but I felt like a heavy coat was behind me, and someone threw it, and I felt it come on me, had weight on it. 
And it wasn't burdensome. I, I felt something come on me. And when it came on me, I said, what's your problem? <laughs> I mean, you're operating in God's faith. I mean, it, it's super high octane faith. High octane. It's like taking a, 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 a Coca-Cola and, and going like this with it and then open it. You know, <laughs> something's going to go, what, <laughs> everywhere, right? I haven't drank a Coke in a long time, so I wanted to go cut grass this week and on zero turn, it wouldn't crank. It's about three years old. And I finally just, I said, well, I'm, you know, zero turn, you never had one. I mean, certain things, if you get to do it, I mean, the bar's got to be out, you know, that you steer with, and it's got to be all the way out. It won't crank, and you got to have the emergency, the brake up, or it won't do it. And I thought, man, what, what have I done wrong? I just used it yesterday, and it, it didn't act like it wanted to crank in, but it did. Well, the next day, it didn't crank. So I pushed the seat up because the battery's on the seat. And man, you're talking about corrosion. I've seen corrosion, but I've never seen that. And I've never seen, you have, but I've never seen corrosion eat the, the bolts. So I got in there trying to find something to get that bolt with. And uh, you know, if you certain touch certain metal things, the other metal things, <laughs> you're like, woo! <laughs> and I looked, my, my wrench was burned. <laughs> so I had this bolt that the corrosion has actually ate through the bolt. So it took me a minute to figure out how to do it. It's like, now let me think about all things I know about mechanics. And I couldn't really see what I was doing. But I remembered, and I hated to do this, and, and uh, I, I asked the guy that I bought it from, I said, so, so what would you do here? He says, well, I'll just go get me a Coca-Cola. And I said, well, I knew that, but I thought, certainly you tell me something else. I hate pouring Coca-Cola all, all over my battery, and I'm, you know, all that sticky stuff. But if you, if you, you know, if you pour Coke, how many of y'all know that? Pepsi, I guess to get it done. Mountain Dew might even do it. I don't even know. But if you pour Coke over a corroded battery, it'll eat it away, right? So if it, it'll eat corrosion off a battery, I just wonder what happens when it gets in your stomach. It's like, if you can eat corrosion, did y'all hear what I'm saying? Now, you, had, you do have acid in your stomach, and it's supposed to protect you from all that, but... Man, why put it through all that, all that pressure? It's like, I've never tried it, but if y'all ever heard, this is way off my, my teaching, but anyways, it's, it's so, I've heard that if you put nails, have y'all ever heard that? In a cup, in, in a few days, it'll, it'll eat the nails down and it'll turn into liquid. So I don't know how y'all big on Cokes, but anyway, I just, well, actually I went in there and there wasn't, uh, and these weren't my Cokes, you know, somebody else. And I found, I didn't have a Coke, I found a Diet Coke. And I said, well, now this thing may not do it. Oh, yeah, Diet Coke, we'll eat it up in a, in a New, New York minute. <laughs> so then I could see what I was doing, you know. I had to get the battery out and get new, you know. And I decided I'd get rid of all that stuff in the garage I had for three, four years. It was my dad's, you know, it's older than he is. And, uh, and I thought last week, I finally, after all these years, I got rid of all these screws and bolts and nuts and washers. And then I need one the next week. <laughs> I got no room for all this stuff. It's got to go. If I finally get rid of them, and the next week I need one. <laughs> and all I could find was one about that long. And I thought, man, I touched that metal something that long. It ain't going to work. <clears throat> I have no idea why I brought all that up, but... I'm sure there's a connection here somewhere. The what? Yeah, 
Yeah, so that, that's, that's, and that's what, that's what we are, is we just transmit. We transmit. And the reason why sometimes, this is another whole subject, but the, sometimes the reason why it doesn't get from us to them or it doesn't get in them is because of corrosion. See, there was nothing wrong with the zero turn. And sometimes you don't have to have a battery. You just got so much, so much corrosion, it can't make right connection. It's not always that you got to have a battery. Sometimes you got to clean that baby up. So you could have so much corrosion in your, in, in, not in your spirit, but in your soul that even hands are laid upon you. Power's getting to you, but it's not getting through the corrosion. And that's why we teach a lot what to do with the mind so that when the power gets to you, it'll go in you so it can go through you. And then we go, Whoom. so I mean, I, so I went there and I, I put a battery in it and she's ready to go. Try to wipe up all that sticky Diet Coke everywhere, you know, and, and uh, but we're up and going. So you think, well, that's not a big deal. Well, I mean, it, it really is. Corrosion is a terrible thing. And it always ends up in, in another spirit called doubt. And God hates doubt. So if, if corrosion can eat, not only stop the crank of a battery, but it actually can eat the nuts and bolts up. Now, I've never saw that before. I know you, you, you've saw it, but I've, ne I've never saw that before. And I mean, they were just a little knob of a piece of whatever. It didn't even look like a bolt or anything anymore. And uh, so we got to make sure we get the corrosion out. Amen. So we have the same, someone say with me, we, we have the same spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith. Amen. So you, uh, one of the principles of how to get this is hanging around people who has it. So you can learn a lot about the spirit of faith. We, we, we know that faith comes by what? Hearing. hearing by the Word of God. So we know how faith comes. It comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we know how faith comes, and we know how to grow in faith, Then we know faith has to be released. Because see, if you don't release faith, it's no better than not having it. But I'm talking about the spirit of faith, which is an attitude. You can have a good attitude, or you can have a bad attitude. And so you can, if you get around people who have a spirit of faith, it's contagious. Man, I got certain people that's friends of mine and some are ministers and some aren't. And man, they're, 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 they're people of faith. And you get around them, it'll just, it, it'll just pull you up to a higher place. But I also know some people, if you stay with them very long, it'll pull you the other way. I mean, they, they, they got a problem for every one of your solutions. Y'all ever met someone like that? Yeah, I know that, but. Well, but yeah, but the Bible says, well, yeah, we all know that, but, but, but you don't know what my, what my doctor said. Yeah, I know that, but the Bible said, yeah, I know that, but, but I got two opinions, two, two, two doctors said it. Well, die then. Well, I don't want to die. Well, <laughs> okay, well then let's, let's uh, whose report you going to believe? But I got other folks, you know, like that, and I, got, I, have, I have two people in my life. And I say, if you see me off, if we're truly friends, if you see me off and you hear me off, I want you to tell me if I'm not recognizing. 
Because you could be in a storm in your own life and you're not even recognizing what you're doing or you're not doing what you're saying, what you're not saying and get a little bit off. And if you're a little bit off, you're not going to you're, you're not going to make the connection. Yeah. True story. I can't remember who it was, but um, uh, I remember it was a, I don't know if it was a college or it was a NFL game a number of years ago. And the uh, the quarterback, you know, they called the play in the huddle. And they went up there to do it, and this, I mean, it's kind of funny, when, you know, you think about it. But the quarterback, for whatever reason, he went up and he lined up behind the guard, which is not far from the center. I mean, here's the guard and there's the center. But who has the ball to hook? The center has it. So he's calling the play, and he's behind the guard. And it came to him, I'm out of position. So he kept on saying, 47. 36 to 21, 18, hut, and he, he got the ball. So sometimes you can just be a little bit out of position, and you say, hut, hut, and your miracle went that way. <laughs> I mean, the ball left, but it, it, you didn't make connection. But if you get around people who have the spirit of faith, it'll, be, it'll become very contagious to you. It's an attitude. And you, and you may think it's cocky, but it's not being cocky. It's just, it's just knowing who you are. Say, we're not, we're, we're not dealing with this. We're, we're not putting up with this. There's no such thing as you live a life that's going to be trouble-free. Jesus told you, you're going to have trouble. I promise you. Jesus said, I promise you, if you stay in the world, you're going to find some trouble. Or, it, or it's going to find you. He said, but, 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 be of good cheer. That's pretty good news after trouble's going to come get you. Trouble's headed for you, looking for you. And the more you get in this word, you're going to attract all hell's enemies. <laughs> but you also attract he heaven's friends. Amen. 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 So, but he said, be a good cheer. Well, so that's what we're going to do. So Abraham had the spirit of faith. Did he, did he not? Yes. And he passed it on to his children and to his grandchildren. Elijah he passed, he had a spirit of faith, no doubt. He passed it on to Elisha, and Elisha doubled it. He said, I like that spirit of faith. He said, but times two. Elisha said, well, you asked a hard thing. He says, well, that's your problem. He, he said, well, I'll tell you what, if you see me go, he says, you'll get it. He said, well, I'll see it. And then the other prophets, the school of prophets, they said, did you know that your master's leaving today? He says, you ain't telling me nothing I don't know. He said, you better stay here with us. He said, yeah, right. Because <laughs> he didn't know. Uh, they didn't know what he knew. If I see him go, <clears throat> I'm doubling up. Man, I'm not going to be over behind the guard while he's going over here. You know, I'm not going to line up over here <clears throat> on the wide, behind the wide receiver. I'm going to get right behind the center. Amen. So when Elisha, you know, he got taken up, you know, in the chariot. Uh, Elisha's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> And then the mantle fell. Remember that? And the old, old covenant, that's the way it would work. He picked up that mantle. And he said, hmm, well, he says, where is the spirit of Elijah? And he put that mantle, you know, he put that rod, he put it in the water. And the water went, <laughs> he said, oh, I'm going to like this. <laughs> I'm going to miss you, but well, I'm thinking that me some fun. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Well, they had, they had the spirit of faith. 
And so he doubled his. David had faith. Boy, did David have faith. And when a 17-year-old comes after a giant, you're going to need some faith, right? And, uh, and, and we won't talk so much about that, but you remember when David was, was in the cave of Adullam, he was hiding from Saul, his father-in-law, who's trying to kill him. Those 400 people that gathered to him, the Bible says they found out he was in the cave and it told the condition of the people. He said they were discontented, they were distressed, and they were in debt. And, and, and um, that's kind of like pastoring. You, you have church, and who are you going to gather? The distressed, the people who's discontented, depressed, and they're in debt. Hmm? I, I talked to a, a pastor last week, and he says, he says, man, we got, a, we, we got a new couple. And I said, well, that's good. He says, man, and, and they're, 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 they're really good folks. And I said, well, that's good. And the pastor says, he said, they tithe and everything. And I said, well, amen. I said, somebody else trained him, and you, and you finally got someone that you didn't, you know, you're not going to have to rehaul from the frame up, right? You know, he says, well, every now and then, that's nice. I said, it's real nice. It's, it's absolutely nice. Amen. <laughs> well, our job is to do both. You know, sometimes when they, someone takes a car to Mr. Bill, sometimes they just say, would you change the oil for us, right? And sometimes he's got, a, you know, a 30-minute job, and some people, they got more work than that. They said, can you fix this? Yeah, with a new motor. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't worth saving. So David took those 400 men, and the Bible said he turned them into the most mighty army that ever was in the Old Covenant. Where'd they get that? They got it off David. Because they came into the cave. How? Distressed, depressed, discontented, and in debt. And they came out to be the mightiest army there ever was. Well, did something fall out of heaven on them? No. It was already in David, and they picked it up off David. Amen. Amen. And, I, and there's people, because I know each one of you, and people have been picking that same spirit up off of you. Not everyone, but you've got certain people you've affected that they're never going to be the same because they, you are contagious, and they got it Amen. off of you. Now, you can't get a spirit of faith by someone who doesn't have it, right? I mean, can, can you give someone the flu today? No. Well, you, you can't today, can you? The reason why you can't give someone the flu today is because you don't have the flu, right? But if you want the flu, if you really you say, man, I just want, the, I'd really love to have the flu. Well, find someone who has it and say, can I just, can I just kiss you? You know, just one of them real long ones, just, you know, slobbery ones. I don't want to say French kissing in church, so I won't say that. But if you did that, you probably could get the flu. Y'all don't know about that. Well, if I'm almost 60 and I know, but it had to be there. It had to be around before I got here anyway. So I guess it came from the French people. Amen. Just you need some Listerine every now and then. Hallelujah. So, and then, uh, of course, Jesus had the spirit of faith, right? And he, and, he, and he was contagious to all his disciples, except for Lazarus. He didn't get none of it. But, but he became, they became contagious. So, so we've we got to remember is the spirit of faith is unlimited. Maybe, but Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believeth. So that's what Paul said in Psalms 116.10. That's what, that's what I was looking for a while ago. Uh, the psalmist said the spirit of faith, that they demonstrated the spirit of faith to us 
when he wrote, I believe, therefore I spoke. Now, a lot of us in faith circles was taught that we need to confess the word, and we do. So we confess the word, confess the word, confess the word, confess the word, confess the word. And what, and what a lot of you was taught was we need to confess the word and confess the word and confess the word and then try to believe it. That's not what the scripture says. Paul said, I believed, therefore I spoke. If you told your child or grandchild that you're going to give them $5 tomorrow, and then they went home confessing and asked their, their, their parents to believe with them that Papa or whoever's going to give them that $5 tomorrow, there's a trust issue, right? So, do we have a trust issue with the Father that we need to keep on confessing? He'll bless me. He'll bless me. Uh, I'm, he'll do that. He'll meet my need. He'll meet my need. He'll meet my need. I mean, how, how many times do we need to say it? Well, sometimes you need to keep confessing the word because you're, you're not changing God. But what you have to do is you're convincing your own heart. You're not even con you're, you're confessing the word a lot of times is not even changing the situation. What you're doing is you're establishing your heart. Not your spirit, your, your soul, you might, you might say. Hmm? When, we confess, when, when we sin, what we're doing is we're not cleansing our spirit because there's no sin in your spirit. So when you, when you confess, if you've, if you've sinned, 1 John says, if you have sinned, you have an advocate with the Father, and He's faithful and just to forgive you, and you confess that before Him, and what you're really doing is you're just cleansing your soul. Not your spirit. Hmm? And a higher place of that would be, I wouldn't say this, it's wrong not to, it's, it's not wrong to confess, but you've already been forgiven. But confession to me is more cleansing the soul than anything else so that it's not staying in here. That, so that way you don't, you don't walk around with condemnation because you're in Christ Jesus. So faith sees, so faith sees the victory. We know in Numbers 13 and 14 that Moses sent out 12 spies. Remember that? Then they came back and they had a report. Well, 10 of them had a report that says, it's just like God said. And they brought back the, the, the produce and the fruit and they saw just how amazing. It was just like God said. It says, man, the, the grapes are huge and the pomegranates are huge and the figs. And, and they brought this back and they said, it's, it, it, it's amazing. He says, but, but we're, we're, we're not able to do this. He said, we saw the people there. We saw the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Amorites. We saw all the people that lived there. He said, they're giants. He said, and he says, and he's compared to them. He says, we're grasshoppers. And then they went on to say, in their sight, we're grasshoppers. Well, they were, they were hiding themselves and, and they never came in contact with the Amorites or the Jebusites. Otherwise, they would never came back. So they, they said of their own volition, they said that they think we are grasshoppers in their sight. And that caused an evil report. God said, this is evil. He says, he says doubting me, you're not going into the land of promise. He said, you're, you're not going in there. So Moses went in there and did what he tried to do. And he tried to do intercession for the people. And God said, not this time. He says, but the Lord, you've been, he says, Moses, not, not this time. 
He says, some of them were going to go, but everyone who's 25 years and older, they're going to die here. And when that, when that generation is gone, he says, then they're going to go into the promised land. He says, I mean, you're familiar with Numbers 13, 14, he says, but it says, doubtless, they are not going to come in this land. He says, because they brought up an evil report. Other translation says, they said what I said was good, and they slandered it. It was a slanderous report. And you're not going to call evil what I call good and go, and go partake of the fruit. That's right. So evil is demonic. God thinks doubt. When we're doubting, he thinks it's demonic. He thinks it's evil. When you don't believe him, he, he calls it doubt, he calls it slanders, and he calls it evil. And he said, these people here are going to die because of, of what was said. Well, Joshua and Caleb, you know, when they were there, and these people, there was 12 that went there, and 10 brought up a bad report, but Caleb, uh, it says he stealed the people from, from what they were saying. He says, no, yeah, you, you, wait a minute. They are large, they are big, they're all this. Everything they say is true. And you see the fruits, just like God said. He said, but I believe that, you know, if, if the Lord's pleased with us in the years, he said, he'll fight for us. And we're, he said, we are well able, we're well able with God to go possess the land. And the other 10 said, no way, no way. And so the people got in fear and listened to the ten. Isn't influence powerful? Amen. That ten people influenced two million people to doubt God and cause them their death because of what ten people said. So the only one who had got to go into the promised land was who? Joshua and Caleb. And God said they're going to go in because they have a different spirit called the spirit of faith. Amen. So a lot of people may not get to the land of promise. So our land is not a land to go to promise. You're already in the land of promise. Jesus put you in there, but you got to go ahead and get all your possessions now. Amen. And you do that with the spirit of faith. So it, it really is contagious when you're around people who, who have a Joshua Caleb attitude. And I, I can say it this way. Spirit of faith even has a smell to it. Have you ever could tell during the seasons when, and the changes, you can just smell it in the air? Have you ever smelled fall coming? Have you ever smelled winter coming? Just that, have you ever smelled it in the hot summer after it rains and there's a refreshing smell in the air? Faith has a smell. The spirit of faith has a smell. 1 John chapter 5 says, we have overcoming faith. And a bad smell has a bad attitude. A bad attitude. And a bad attitude will always give itself away in words. You've heard this story many times before, but it's just like Grandpa. He went to go see the kids. And they, uh, he was there with the kids. Grandpa was, and they played a trick on him. And he took his nap. He's laying on the couch. And the kids always messing Grandpa. He had a big old mustache. And they went to the refrigerator and they cut off some little pieces of Limburger cheese. Y'all ever had any Limburger cheese been around it? It has a scent to it. It stinks. And so Grandpa woke up and he woke up and went, Whew, man, something stinks in this room. And so he, he, he left the living room where he was laying on the couch. And he went in the kitchen. He said, man. 
It stinks in here. So he walked down the hall in one of the bedrooms. Went, he said, it stinks, this. it stinks here. He said, I'm going outside on the porch. Get me some fresh air. And he went out on the porch and he, he took a big inhale and went, he said, my God. He said, the whole world stinks. <laughs> well, it wasn't the whole world stinking, was it? It was that Limburger cheese in his mustache. And so, so you can have an attitude that stinks. Amen. Amen. And when you do, you're not in the spirit of faith. Hmm? Then you'll get into doubt. Then you'll begin to speak your feelings. And you'll begin to speak your problems. And the enemy says, we got him. We got him. We got him. You hear that? You got him. Put some more Limburger cheese in his face like that. We, we, we got him right here. But Paul said, no matter, what they, no matter what they were facing, he said, we overcome it because we have the spirit of faith. Therefore, we spoke. So our weapons of warfare are not carnal. We're not going to be, we're, you're not going to fight like David fought. You're not going to reach down and pick up five stones to sling it at your enemy. Your enemy. You're not going to fight him with a stone, are you? You're not going to take a, a gun or a pistol, but you have a sword. You have the sword of the Spirit. But that sword of the Spirit is the word that comes out of your mouth. You, you, you put on the breastplate, right? Of righteousness. And you put on the helmet of salvation. Your, your feet are shod with the preparation. Man, you're, you're, you're a walker, talker, spirit of faith. Man and woman of God. And you have on a full armor. And inside that armor is a faith man. is the faith woman right there. And they've got, their, they've got their heart and their mind in agreement. So when the enemy comes in, you say, you say, enemy, come on, bring everything you've got, bring your best shot because you're not attacking me. I got on the armor of God and I got the word of God in my heart and I got it mouth. So take your best shot. Amen. 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 So we are stronger together, aren't we, than we are apart. Amen. Because if I have a weak day or a weak moment and you see me going the other way, I'll just come get around you for a little while and say, just talk to me, rebuke me if you need to, cast something out, whatever. Let's get rid of this kind of thing. And I get around y'all sometimes and I hear y'all speaking. I said, well, that's, that's right. That's right. That's, yeah. What was I thinking? Man, that was, that was a crazy thing. Y'all ever done? I mean, let's just be honest like that. And that's why the enemy likes to separate us. Yeah, that's it. Divide and conquer. Ecclesiastes says two is better than one. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. Two is better than one. When you, so like in sports, I'm sorry, you know, if I was a woman, I'd talk about cooking or something, but I don't know how to do this. But in sports, if you got someone that was really good, uh, like this year, uh, Alabama, what was his name, Devontae? Was he the Heisman Trophy winner? They couldn't, they couldn't know when to hardly cover him. I mean, he, he, he was a little scrawny little thing. But he was a Heisman, he was the Heisman winner. Boy's going to make millions and millions of dollars. So what they would try to do, because they, they couldn't successfully cover him from catching the ball, they'd double team him. And Devontae said, say, well, you know, whatever y'all want to do, I mean, I'm going to head out this way, but it don't mean I'm going to stay right here. <laughs> and, and that boy could zig, and he could zag, and he could turn around. He was, you know, he was as limber as a piece of gum. You know, just like, whoosh, he could turn, you know, just to 180, just like, like this, and break no bones in his body. I think his head could go all the way around. Like, they could triple team him. That's what the enemy does, try to catch you by yourself. 
And because you've got the spirit of faith, he's double teamed you. Yeah. He's, he's brought him from different sides. Mm. But don't let that worry you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, you, you, you got weapons. Mm. Don't matter how many they bring, right? Yeah. I mean, just go watch a good old Western movie and they had a cannon, right? They didn't waste a whole cannonball on one man. They said, let them all come. All right, hang on, hang on. They'd light the fuse when there's like 50 or 75 of them, right? They didn't waste it on one dude, right? I mean, we're going to bring, bring them demons on. Oh, there they come on. All right, I'm going to light the fuse. They don't see it, but the fuse is in here. Bam! And you speak the word and the devils go everywhere. Hmm? Am I preaching truth or am I just coming up with some kind of story? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know it's true when you've been challenged. Amen. I, and, and I know what challenges are. <laughs> Believe me, I know what some challenges are. <laughs> I didn't pick this challenge up some story I read somewhere. <laughs> I'm writing my own book right now. Hallelujah. Ha, 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 how to come. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I'll close with this. I'm trying to close. Boy, I, I've been trying to do that for a long time. They say, we, we fixing the clothes. We fixing the clothes. And then they go 15 minutes later and say, oh, we fixing the clothes. One guy said, man, how many doors does this sermon have? <laughs> I mean, where's the last door at? <laughs> When I close the door, Paul said, it's time to go. <laughs> so no one really believes a picture, a preacher when he says he's fixing the clothes. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I'm going to show you. We're going to be under an hour. Amen. <clears throat> See, if people in better shape, it takes me less time. So for y'all, we're going to get out of here in early because I, I, I don't have much. I'm just a little tune-up. I don't even need no Coca-Cola to pour on you. <laughs> you have no corrosion on you whatsoever. Well, maybe a couple of you, but it ain't had a little. But it won't take much. Amen. Well, I wanted to say something here. Oh, so if you're going to fight the enemy and you're going to fight him, make sure. Watch here. This, this looks like closing. So when you're going to fight him, don't fight him on his, on his terms. Never fight the enemy on his terms. Never, ever, ever, ever fight the enemy on his terms. And I'm not trying to make everything about the enemy of the devil. He's not even the main character. <laughs> but know this, everything that comes against you, any ailment that comes against your life or your body, understand this, that, that, that's warfare. Now, I'll, I'll even make it, and you'll say, well, this is silly, but I'll take it this way. If the enemy had never come in to the Garden of Eden and Eve had never been deceived, Adam and Eve would still be living. Yeah. And it'd still be paradise, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. they, would never, they would never know what toil is, would they? Not, never. They would be living in absolute paradise the way God created to do. So anything that attacks your life that is not peace and divine health, whatever it is, so we, we, we just kind of think, well, we just got, you know, I got a little... Here and I got a little there and I got a little something here and a little something there. If you have a fever blister, it's an act of war. You say, well, I'll come on now. It's just a fever blister. I'll just put a little something on it. Well, there they wasn't no fever blisters in, in the Garden of Eden until they got to gnawing on some fruit. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, like I said before, you, you, you couldn't, I mean, what was you going to tempt him with? There had nothing else to tempt him with. You, 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 you know, Adam couldn't fall for another woman, could he? That's easy to figure out. There wasn't another one. Eve couldn't fall for a different man, could she? I mean, she didn't like the snake. So all they had was don't eat of this, of this tree. So they got, he got them to look at something, and they said, you know, God is really holding you back, but I, I care. He, he wants you to be happy, but he's keeping you at bay because he knows if you eat this, you'll be just like him. And then you got to looking at it. She says, you know, it, it does look, it does look good to eat. He, and, and the servant says, it's because it is good. It's good for you. And she said, okay, let's, let's take it. So she took it. Now, I know some people want to just blame it on Eve, but Adam wasn't in the back 40 somewhere. He done climbed the tree and was holding the limb down, all fours, so she could pick one up. And she ate it, and then, and the Bible said, and then she handed it for him to eat, right? She didn't throw it you know, across the football field. He, he was right there. And they both ate it. Now, the Bible says she was deceived, but Adam wasn't deceived. Adam was in complete disobedience. Amen. So here's the deal. So anything that comes into your life that's not, it's not peace, it's not joy, it's not happiness, it's not, uh, it, it is an act of war. So treat it that way. Just treat it that way. Just treat it that way. In other words, bring heaven to earth. You know, Christians get under such turmoil, they just want to leave here. You got a whole bunch of Christians, you know, who, who want a rapture. <laughs> Let's just do the rapture practice. <laughs> Lord, get us out of here. Oh, Lord, the rain's do thirsty. <laughs> Man, where I work, oh, where I work, where I work. No. No, it's not us to go into heaven. It, it's heaven has come to the earth and it's in you. Right. And you have this spirit of faith. So you're 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 not even a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. Huh? Now, if, if you and I were to get together for about three or four days and we met for the next four nights and I got you all up here talking and we talked about this kind of stuff and we just stirred the pot a little like this. By next Sunday, we could have the paint peeled off these walls. Hmm. But why? Because we, we, we keep stirring it up. We keep stirring it up. Our problem is we meet like times usually once a week. Then we kind of like, yeah, but then we go hit Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday. And by then, you know, we're trying to get the air pump out, trying to blow the tire back up. We don't have to do that. This is day by day. This is moment by moment. This is second by second. How do you know God's with you? You ever wondered? You ever wondered how to know God's with you? Let me prove it to you. Watch here. <clears throat> Do I need to explain that? <sighs> Do you think you're, the enemy's giving you life? <sighs> what he wants is... <laughs> right? So if, if God's with you, <sighs> that means his presence is... <sighs> Now become aware of that presence. So if you can breathe in oxygen for life, 
and you have life on the inside. <sighs> See, to me, when we do next Sunday, and we'll, we'll do, have receive communion, to me, Easter is like any, I do, I do Easter every week. Amen. Don't we? Yeah. I mean, what's going to be different about next week than today? Yeah. Y'all going to learn here. Are y'all going to learn next week that he rose from the dead? Oh, y'all done heard that? <laughs> wow. Man, I was going to study for all that and they'll let you know that he, he, he's up now. No, but, but what are we going to do with the same spirit that, that raised Christ from the dead dwelleth in you and quickens your mortal body? So you have in your spirit what? The same spirit that raised him from the grave or actually the truth is he was in hell. Paying our price. And God said, that's enough. He has satisfied all claims of justice against mankind forever. He says, and now I'm raising him up. And every demon in hell tried to hold him down and could not do it. And Jesus' eyes popped open and he says, me back. <laughs> I told you my, my Chad's little boy, I don't think he does it more, but that's, he come, we see him about every three or four weeks. He come in the door, a little blonde head, he looks like Dennis the Menace and, and, and can act like it. <laughs> he's a cute little boy, I love him, but he just walks in the door. He's three, at that time he's three or four years old, he come in, he, he'd look around, he, he said, Nina, Papa. We said, hey buddy, he says, me back! <laughs> Jesus woke up after three days. And he said, Father, Holy Spirit, me back! <laughs> and that resurrection life, you see, rose him from the dead. Woo! Glory to God. Seated him in the heavenly places, right? And he said, you have the same, same identical, identical life in, in you. He said it wasn't, you know, uh, you know, we didn't dilute it. You got the same spirit that raised him out of the hell. He says, but we put it in you. Amen. Glory. Glory to God. He says, and you can get it. He says, you can get it going around in your body. Hallelujah. You say, well, I kind of hurt right there. Well, send some of that resurrection life out of your spirit and send it up in your, up in that ear right there. We're kind of, you know. You ever itched in your ear and there's no way to get to it? And you do it with your tongue like you... I mean, how does your tongue get on the inside of your ear? You can't do that. <laughs> but this sends some resurrection life up there. It can touch it. Yes, Woo, we win on every side. Yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're winners on every side. Yes, we woke up winners. We'll go to bed winners. We're going to wake up tomorrow Hallelujah. more victorious than we are today. Amen. We're prosperous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Money coming to you, it's looking for you on every side. Yes, Lord. You, your youth is being restored to your body right now and to every organ, every limb, every nerve, every cell of your body is being attacked by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, the Holy One, yes, strengthened by vitality. Hallelujah. And it's correcting things in your body. Hallelujah. Glory, Glory to God. Glory. I can do all things through Christ who has strengthened me. Greater is he that is in me. He's not in the church. Hallelujah. He's not with the Pope. If I could just get to the Pope and he could touch me with his whatever you call it. Don't be a dope trying to find a Pope. There's only one letter you can move off and have the same thing. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. No, you had you, you had you had the kingdom in you. Yes, Lord. Amen. He's not as spiritual as you think he is. Hallelujah. So you thought I did disservice. I didn't do any disservice. Hallelujah. Read your Bible. <laughs> Revelation tell you all about the Pope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, God would have saved the worst sinner. Hmm? He'd have saved Hitler if he cried out. I mean, I don't know if he did, but if he did, Hitler's in heaven. He says, how could he kill millions of God's people and be in heaven? Well, if he cried out, then, then he saved. Man, if he didn't, there's, there's departments of hell. Did you know that? Read the Bible. There's different places in hell de depending on your action here. Hell doesn't have just one department. Hallelujah. But glory to God, we're heaven bound. We got Jesus in our heart. And if you don't know Jesus, all you got to do is ask him to come into your heart. Say, be my Lord. Say, Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Take my life. Do whatever you want with my life. The Bible says that at that point, your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life in the blood of Jesus and nothing or anyone can blot it out. Hallelujah. I'm saved, healed, set free, bound for heaven. Glory to God. Got the spirit of faith on the inside of me. Just looking to, where is that demon at? Bless God. Hallelujah. Where's that storm at? Yeah, five, we'll, we'll, take, we'll knock that five off and take it down to a minus one in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I ain't got to go underground. I'll just send it somewhere else. Hallelujah. You ain't got to hide from a tornado. Amen. You say, well, nah, nah, that's not good to tell people that you need to have wisdom. Well, I did. I got the wisdom from here. I didn't come up with stuff on my own. Hallelujah. Remember when Jesus was in the boat? This is my last door. Of the sermon. This is the last door right here. Remember, in the, it's the last door now. So I, I gave him a word, the last door. <clears throat> Jesus taught all day, the parable of the soul, right? Taught all day long. Then he was tired. Taught all day long. I know what that's like. Sometimes you just think doing this right here, just talking for a few minutes, it's, it's equivalent, they would tell you, to, to an eight-hour day doing this. Then the preparation to even come here. And I didn't say 30% of what I thought I would say because I'm listening to the, the greater one inside of me. I'm a teacher, but he's the teacher. Amen. Then he'll take what I say to you, and, but he'll put it in the way that you need to hear it in your life and say, oh, yeah, that's right. I need to correct that. I mean, the reason I ain't been catching the ball because I'm, I'm, I'm lined up behind the guard. You say, hup, and your miracle is like 20 yards behind you. <laughs> And the other team, they run, jump on it. And it's called a turnover. And now it's going the other way. huh? But anyway, last door. So G Jesus taught parable of the sower. His disciples was there. They got in the boat. And Jesus said, we have to go to the other side. So was Jesus being the will of God when he said, we're supposed to go to the other side? So he was in the will of God and a storm came. You mean you can be in the will of God and storms come? Well, it, it happened to Jesus. He said, I'm tired all day. I'm tired. I'm going to go lay down, in, you know, in the hinder part of the boat. And he says, let's get to the other side. He says, we've got something to do over there. Well, we know we did. He cast, he cast the devil out of that man over there, right? Mm -hmm. But before he got there, the Bible says a great storm came. If you read it in the Amplified, it said it was of hurricane proportions. Hurricane proportions. You imagine that? <laughs> 
And Jesus, they woke Jesus up and they said, Master, look. He says, where's our Charles Kath book at? <laughs> no, I haven't fought against the Bible. Every time I'm against the <laughs> Too late for that, ain't it? <laughs> Charles Kath can't help you at that point. <laughs> You can't call the uh, buzzer. You used, buzzer used to say people get in trouble. They want to call the, uh, what he used to say, the fire tower, the watch tower, and the prayer tower. <laughs> he said, want to call all the towers. He said, you got something bigger than the Eiffel Tower on the inside of you. I miss Buzzy. Man, I miss him. I'm going to lick him up in heaven now. He probably won't be a redneck more when I get there. Hallelujah. But <laughs> he said, and I went to his church. He said, man, I love I, I love black people. He says, he says, uh, uh, he, he says, uh, you know, white folks, they don't know how to praise the Lord too good. He said, most of them can't sing. He <laughs> said, but black folks got soul. He says, man, he says, and they're committed. And uh, then he says something in the church. And I thought, oh, my God, I, have, I can't believe you said that. I was so embarrassed. And he, he didn't mean nothing about it because I went to his church. And, man, he, man, they'd eat together. They'd go hunting together. They'd fish together. And he said, man, he says, how come you ain't got more black folks? I said, well, it's not opposed. I mean, not, the door's open. He, he said, well, I got, he said, I got more black folks in my church. And he said, I can make two Tarzan movies. And I said, oh, my God, Buzzy, don't say, oh, my God. We're going to say, oh, Lord, that sounds like a racist statement. He says, well, I don't mean nothing about that. He said, I love them. He said, they'll go a lot further with the white folks. He said, when you have some music, they're like, mm, he says, man, I, I get ready to preach. He said, I'm ready. He said, why, folks, this, you know, we preach after we worship. He said, it's work. He <laughs> said, it's work. Like, how many of y'all love the Lord? Like, he says, like two of them raise their hand. He's like, oh, boy, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> anyway, the last door on this sermon. So they got in the boat, and the hurricane came. They woke Jesus up. When he saw it, Jesus, he jumped out of the ship, and he dove down in the water trying to get away from the hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> you see Jesus like, oh my God. And he jumped out of the boat and he's going down real deep trying to get away from. <laughs> now there is, a, that, there is a revised translation. There's many kinds. Of, there's one actually called the revised, but that would be, that would be called the reversed. <laughs> so what did Jesus do in the storm? He just stood open and, and, and he didn't quote a lot of things. He said, peace be still. And they're like, that's it? <laughs> well, I mean, that's what you need when you don't have peace. He said, he, he told the storm, he told a storm to be still. And Peter and them looked at him and they said like, I know you got to be from heaven. Same Jesus is in you. Same spirit's in you. Same spirit of faith in you. Amen. You ought to get that Norva Hay spirit on you. He says when Norval would say it, I, I didn't know what he was saying. I mean, he's from Cleveland, he's Tennessee. He says when them when them, when them, when them problems come like that, he says you gotta you gotta attack it at them. I said you gotta what? He said them devils come, you gotta attack it at them. And I asked him, so what you saying? She said he, he said to attack them. I said no, he said to attack it at them. And I'm like, is there more to it than attacking? He says. <laughs> <laughs> Norma said, when I started in this business, he said, I started out with the people. And he says, man, there was, I found people, you know, and he went into the slums to help people. He's a millionaire. And he gave all that up for, you know, to go work with people in slums and, and little houses that just should be condemned. 
And he said, there were so many demon-possessed people. He said, now when I started, you know, he said, I, I, I had the mentality there was a devil behind every bush. He said, but now I've grown in the Lord. And he said, I know better. He said, now I know that there's two of them behind every bush. <laughs> <laughs> he said, but it don't make no difference. <laughs> Guess it, he said, when they come, just attack, attack it at them with what's written. Amen. I don't know if that helped y'all. I mean, y'all may not ever want to hear me ever again, but <clears throat> I'm good. <laughs> We're happy. <laughs> We're good. We love you. You're on your own. Hallelujah. God bless you.